Welcome to the Forging Honor Podcast. I'm Jonathan George. And I'm Benjamin Jones. Here at The Forge, we explore what it means to live as Christian men. Along the way, we'll be doing weekly challenges to build character through action. We are by no means experts, just two young Christian men trying to make sense of a wild world. That's right. We're doing our best to learn and hope you'll join us on the journey. And if you want to get directly involved, go to forginghonor.com to find information on how to join our community. This is Episode 6, Digital Natives in Exile. Wow, six episodes already. We're, we're just jumping I know. right in. I know. This is, what, 12, 12 weeks now of, of The Forge? Yeah, that's... Uh... I guess I'm surprised we even made it this far. I don't know how many things I've done for 12 weeks. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I feel like uh, I was thinking about this this week of, of um, you know, it's only, it's only episode six, but already I feel like I'm spending just a lot more time being reflective about certain things that I hadn't thought before. And even as I was, as we were working through this week's challenge and I was going over my notes in my, in my honor journal, Already over over the course of twelve weeks, I feel like I have um, just like a lot more thoughts and a lot more. I'm a lot more grounded, um, I think, in what I believe about um, men and masculinity, and and more than that, because I think all the things that we talk about here are, you know, in principle, we're very geared towards you know our audiences to young Christian men, but a lot of what we talk about is really applicable to you know a whole range of people. Um, and and I'm I feel like I'm growing more in my knowledge of what it means to be a, a just a Christian in general, um, you know, in 2023, maybe even more so than what it means to be a man. Absolutely, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment. I'm I, I have not journaled this frequently in a long time, and that's been really good. Which this last challenge was a journal challenge. Um, so just to recap, challenges last for a total of 10 days. That's Monday through Friday for ten, for two weeks. Um, they're going to be simple, theoretically, uh, daily tasks that grow us as men. So this previous challenge was pretty simple. Use the journal, or honor journals we call them, to keep a log of your tech use. Um, it could be very simple. It could be you could have some thoughts on there if you wanted to about the tech you were using. Um, and so... It, Banjo and I both completed seven of the 10 days. Um, Did we have anybody? uh, I think, I think we had um, at least one person do more days than us in the, in the discord. Okay. I didn't see anyone else that consistent. Uh, Love it. Did you mark mark yesterday? Uh, I I didn't do it yesterday. Okay. Uh, I had seven out of 10 for you. I did. I did some outside research, but I I didn't, outside didn't make research, it to my. Because then he went outside, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I didn't. I didn't make it to my journal, but I did. Uh, I did listen to some some other podcasts, some other resources on the on the subject. Very good. Well, on the subject of technology, this is continuing the digital natives and exile conversation from last time, um, which we didn't really get much time to delve into, but now we have time today. Uh, one thing that we both watched, just just kind of a place to jump off from. One thing that we have both watched is uh, Tristan Harris's uh, uh, digi- or excuse me, 
The social dilemma. The social dilemma. I, I was I was looking at our notes and having a morning. <laughs> I need coffee, Banjo. Let me get some coffee. <laughs> at any rate, the social dilemma, which came out uh is it almost two years ago now? I think so. I it came out right in, in the middle right in the middle of the pandemic, I think. Yeah. And a lot of people watched it. So I'm if, if you haven't watched it, go check it out. It's on Netflix. Um and it's a great jumping off place. It it, it kind of highlights a lot of the dangers of technology and has a decent approach in my opinion um and you watched it for the first time this yeah. last week right yeah i've been meaning to watch it for uh for a really long time uh but i finally got around to it this week and it was really it was really helpful it's a little the the way it was done i thought was pretty clever uh if just like a, a smidge uh editorialized um but it was it was very clever and enjoyable uh, and entertaining as we want all good documentaries to be. Um, but most of all, I, I think I was just struck by it. I I've always heard this, like, uh, you know, these terms about, you know, data collection and issues of privacy. And so much of that has just kind of gone over my head of, I've never understood what is actually being sold when we talk about data collection and that kind of thing. And to see it at work, you know, in this episode or in this, in this documentary um, and to see the, the way that all of the people who kind of work in Silicon Valley and, and the people who created some of this tech kind of react to it was, uh, it was a little frightening just to, just to see kind of what's at stake and uh, the level of digital market manipulation that's at work. Um just especially even yeah, there's some products that I was looking around my house that I was like, Oh, this is weird. I saw this on, you know, I saw this on social media, you know, a month ago and I didn't think anything of it. And now it's in my house. Like the, the level at which it's able to predict behavior is frightening. Um, I don't know. When's the last time that you saw it, JJ, do you have still stark thoughts about it or. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I've seen it twice. I can't remember when the last time was. Um, I think I was showing it to somebody. At any rate, um, yeah, it, it was impactful for me. I think I think less so for me than a lot of people because so Tristan Harris, the guy who is behind the Center for Humane Technology, um, and that that's I don't know if it's his term, but it's a term that he uses, humane technology and kind of humane design. Uh, he's someone I followed since um, late high school. So for me in the, in that documentary, there was nothing that was new or, or an insight that I hadn't heard from him, his, his blogs or his podcast before, but it's a great dist distillation of, of the information. And I think the thing that I always, that, or that he keeps coming back to again, that humane technology, that idea of what does it mean to have humane technology, right? Because it modern technology and, and we're talking about technology in the term of like uh you know smartphones social media games that kind of thing not not technology like a hammer and a nail is technology right which it, it is tech but it's it's a it's a tool right and it still has a place right you don't go out and just play with a hammer unless you're a five-year-old boy and then everything's a nail and then your dad gets on to you um Sounds like there's some personal but, experience here. No, Do we I'm, need I'm to have a therapy kidding. session here? No, JJ? we're good. We're good. But but this tech that we have today quickly goes from being a tool 
to being something that's using you. And I think that's kind of the main focus of what Tristan Harris is talking about there in Social Dilemma is, are we are we using these tools or are they using us? Yeah. Yeah. And as I was thinking about that, one of the things that I kept coming back to with this, because, you know, part of, part of the question for me as we were talking about this is, you know, what is what is the role of technology um, kind of in, in our daily life? And I think one of the questions I had going into the episode was how does, how does this apply to kind of our conversation in general? Cause in some ways it's a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, a turn, you know, in, in most of our episodes and our journaling, we've been pretty introspective, I think about like, what does honor mean to me? What is, you know, what do these heroes mean to me? That kind of a thing. And so I think I was like, why, you know, why do we need to spend time on, on screens and, and thinking about our time on screens? Cause I think it's important, but I was trying to figure out why. And one thing that I kept coming back to in my journaling was so much of the conversation around technology and the conversation around social media and all this stuff is, is really a language of addiction and uh, a, a lack of, of control that we have. We're unable to control our, inner, you know, our um, impulses towards technology. And uh, I was just reflecting on, you know, so much. Yeah, one of the one of the fruits of the spirit that I think gets overlooked quite a bit in today's conversations is self control. Um, and if there's one area where we need to have, you know, self control. It's in this, you know, it's in this technology that we have access to that gives us a nearly infinite access to the world. Um, and if we don't learn how to control it, then you know we're we're at the we're at the mercy of the winds. Um, I was just thinking about, uh, I think it's James, you know, where he talks about the the taming of the tongue and uh, how how such a small match can create such a a great fire, you know. How much more so the keyboard uh, and and the Twitterverse, you know. So, uh, to as I was as I was reflecting this week, that was kind of the importance that I saw in in doing this challenge was you know how do we grow our self control around this technology, um, especially because and JJ I don't know if this this was something that you were already kind of like well past I feel like you were probably ahead of the curve on this one, but. I was expecting when I watched the social dilemma, I was expecting all of the people to say, you know, just totally get rid of your phones, don't use it, switch to a flip phone, something like that. But they weren't. They were like, no, this is this is here to stay, uh, and it's not about getting rid of it. It's how do we use this wisely, which I thought was a really important distinction. It that is a very important distinction because, and I will tell you this: like, I went to a flip phone for two or three years almost again uh, when i first started really caring about this stuff um yeah i went full flip phone so like i i got to college and i was the probably i was like one of two people on the entire campus i knew that had a flip phone and the only other reason the only reason the other person had a flip phone i think was because they literally couldn't afford a smartphone which that changed right like that that's what like if you had a flip phone there in high school and then in college, it was like, oh, they're broke as a joke. Like they they cannot 
Oh well, I that, I had a flip phone all through high school up until senior year. Oh. I was I was flip phone, and and for me, I think it was just <laughs> it was probably just smart because I probably would have been on that thing all the time, constantly. And I was for the because I got my first smartphone. I think I was 14, 15. So mid high school. And that just, yeah, I was on it constantly. And, and I like, I used it effectively for a lot of things. So I was very, um, I used it very actively to meet up with other people. Right. I was using it as a, as a means to an end and a lot of times, but that said, it's not, not necessarily the most healthy. So one thing I want to do to kind of frame our conversation here is understand some of what we're talking about, because we we talk about the design of our tech. We talk about this concept of, yeah, like you mentioned, data being sold. And there's a lot of different aspects in, in our technology that we need to be aware of. So like when it, just think about the, the actual tech you hold in your hand, the hardware, right? Um, and that's something that you see someone like you see Apple, you know, they, they get put on a new version of the iPhone every single year. And it's like, well, was the last one not good? Um, so, well, you know, what motivates that? Why every single year? Like there was a period of time where I could understand rapid iteration is going to happen because you're trying to find the best possible design to give the best possible product to the most possible people. But at a certain point, you know, they're just switching small things up and you're not really seeing major improvements. So what motivates now every single year, there has to be a new iPhone. And that I'm kind of hinting at what I was talking about earlier. You know, if you didn't have a phone, well, you were probably broke and nobody wanted to appear. Like it was a status symbol there for a while. I'm not sure it is as much anymore, but for a period of time, at least for me in high school and college, it was definitely a bit of a status symbol if you had the latest iPhone. Well, it's a it's a branding thing, right? You know, now now we have such a a mentality of the brand uh, that we don't really think about what is the product. We just think what's the sticker on it. Um, one thing that I've been spending a lot of time on over the last uh, four or five weeks, um, and I think I've already mentioned it on the show, uh, is I've been reading Steve uh, the Steve Jobs biography written by Walter Isaacson. Um, and one thing that I've been just fascinated by over the course of reading that is how obsessed Steve Jobs was with actual products and actual products that were innovative every time he put them out. So, you know, you think about the Mac, which totally changes the way that people think about laptops with this end-to-end -end control. You think about the, the iPod Touch or the iPod with the track wheel that changes the way that you look at music. And you got like the iPad, which changes how everyone kind of interacts with this. One thing that was really interesting with the iPad, which I think has really shifted over into more recent iterations of the iPhones, because I think Steve Jobs isn't there to kind of um, steer things with his control freakishness, is... One of the criticisms that was received on the on the iPad, the, the original iPad, is that it shifted from being a device where you were focused on being creative to a device where you were mostly being passive. The iPod, the iPad, when it first came out, wasn't designed well or as well for creating something new. It didn't have some of the design features that it needed for artists to be creative, 
or if you need positions to play around in. And if you were going to be writing on it, well, you're just going to use a laptop anyway. So there, there was more of the sense of the iPad is where you go to play. Like there's, this is the locked box that you're stepping into, but it was a serious criticism and one that jobs took seriously. So when the iPad two came out, there was a whole, a whole branch of features that came out that were focused on making sure that people were using the technology to create something else. And I, I think that when we look at our phones, particularly now, so much of what we put onto our phones isn't about, like what you were saying, it isn't so much about making a connection with somebody else. It's about spending more time on the phone. As I was looking over my apps, I don't know if uh, how you did your journaling, JJ, but one of the things that I did was I just, I, I took a look at which apps am I using either on my computer or on my phone. Um, and the ones that I found that I was using the most, if it wasn't for work, then it was pretty much just games. Uh, every once in a while, I'll use my notes app to write down a thought, but I keep a notebook on me all the time. So now all of my notes go into the notebook. So the only things that I use my phone for that aren't for making phone calls is checking up on sports, checking up on the news, and playing little phone games. Oh, and, and Netflix, because I have Netflix on my phone. And that's where all my time goes. So I'm not, I'm not creating anything new there. I'm not pushed outward. I'm, I'm sucked in. Right. That, that's the software side. So we mentioned kind of the, the hardware design and Steve Jobs wanting to iterate over these things. And that's not to say other companies didn't do that, but Apple is probably one of the best known cases of the whole form meets function. And then you're getting into the software side of, you know, what is it we actually put on this hardware? What are we, what are we using it for? And I think it's interesting what you say, you know, your top used apps being entirely consumption apps. Um, like you said, if it's not for work I, and I, I did a similar thing. So, you know, my work is on a computer. I work in software. So I was spending you know, eight hours a day or more in front of a screen working on a lot of it being in zoom calls and then a lot of, yeah, just working on code. Um, but when it came to my personal tech use, um, like on my phone, my most used apps are actually my messaging apps. So I don't have social media or games on my phone. Um, though occasionally I'll download a game or, or I'll download a video thing. If I'm going on a trip and just want something to do on an airplane. Um, but yeah, you know, I spend, I, I mean, I don't know how, it varied day to day, but I could easily spend a couple hours a day in messaging apps combined between my laptop because I have them all on my on my computer as well as on my phone. And so they're duplicated. Things like iMessage, Discord, Slack, uh, Microsoft Teams, all that stuff. I'm just in it. And you have an Apple computer, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the crazy things about the way that Steve Jobs designed his little universe is, is this, con you know, this connection, this interplay between phone and laptop i oh, mean genius it, yeah it's it's the primary reason i've been unable to completely give up my iphone and honestly like this is kind of getting back to the you know luddite versus like where should tech be in our lives my phone for a period of time there became almost entirely consumption and no creativity or real communication and i was like okay i should get rid of this thing but if i got rid of it that was going to untether me from this little this little universe that 
was built around the Apple ecosystem. Like if you have an Apple iPhone and an Apple laptop, they work together so seamlessly. Like the fact that I can do all the same things on my laptop that I can on my iPhone, and then I can pick up on my iPhone and pick up right where I left off. It's incredible. Like, that's that's one of the things that I think just it boggles my mind with what Jobs was able to create. He, I mean, he created a, a company and a, a, a series of devices that kind of fundamentally changed the way that we view the world. And, it, and so there's this one side of that that's so great where we have this level of connection. I mean, you and I wouldn't be able to do this if it weren't for our, you know, our iPhones and our computers. You know, there would be no way for us to get this kind of communication and, you know, have this podcast. We're halfway across the U.S. from each other. Like, in many ways, it is, again, it's not all bad. We're not saying that at all. Um, I think it, it comes down to, are we being aware of how we're using it? So kind of moving from in the software realm, then when it comes to the consumer apps, you have to think about what is their motivation, right? If you're If you're a good messaging app, your goal is is be the best possible, fastest messaging app, right? You want to send something, you want it to be secure. You want it to be, if it's if it's for a group setting like Slack, you want it to be very good at that, right? You have a, you have a small list of criteria to be the best messaging app. If you're an app that relies on people's eyeballs, what now what's your incentive, right? If you're a game, if you, you if you're social media, yeah, you want, you want, them to stay in your app because you're, you know, you're selling ads or you're trying to get them to buy your product, whatever it is, you need eyeballs. Yeah. And you want to keep, you want to keep people in your bubble, in your, in your little playground. And, and not that that's, and the thing is, I, I, you know, nobody's doing this, I think really, you know, with a villainous intention, you know? No, not at all. It's just, we've created bad incentives essentially. Yeah. And, I think we've also you know we've opened up this huge digital playground and we've we've created this this place where you can you can do anything but there's less and less a sense of you have to do it with somebody else um or there's less and less a sense of um having having to disagree with work with somebody that you disagree with you know, uh, I, I'm thinking of I, one of the things I always think is interesting, and you can speak to this, is I, you know, I've never played Minecraft. That was not a, a world that I really grew up in. I um, love Minecraft. I, I know you do. I know you do. Uh, I love Madden. I love I love playing Madden. That's like one of Madden my, has no place in my life. It's one of my it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's just great. When I play Madden, I like I'm not. I, I'm learning a new skill. I'm I'm learning. I think one of the advantages of it is I I feel like it's a great way to learn how to make decisions really quickly. Like you're taking in information and then you're making a decision and you're learning on the fly. That's an advantage I think that's there in a in that particular video game. Um, Minecraft I think has fantastic, you know, creative capabilities. I love seeing those those videos where someone builds like these massive worlds and communities my brother used to make uh baseball stadiums in minecraft he would do like really accurate replications of uh, baseball diamonds um and i was always super jealous because i couldn't do that and i think like those two things of like there's a artistic creativity and architectural design that is possible in this world that isn't 
possible somewhere else. And, and also in Madden, there's a, there's a way to learn, you know, or, or, or to, you know, to get to be a quarterback, to get, get to be a leader on, on a digital space. But do we ever take it out of those worlds? Do, do we ever let those things inspire us to move outside into the, into the real world? Or are we only allowing ourselves to be those things in a digital space? I, I think I talked about this last week, but like the design of a phone, the design of a video game is to keep you in that space. Even if it's a, you know, even if it's the best of Steve Jobs uh, designed Apple products, he wants you to stay on that device. Well, yes and no. So you have to think about an Apple device. They need, they need to keep you coming back to buy the next one, but that's all they need, right? If you buy it, and you walk out of the store, they don't care if you spend a single second on it until you come back next year to buy the latest one, right? Well, so maybe and, until that's, that's got to be the old or new Apple because old Apple wasn't, you know, old, that would be, Steve Jobs would be, he, he'd, he'd have a, he'd blow a gasket if that was the mindset. Sure, because he wants you to use his product, but I'm saying Apple doesn't gain money from you spending more time on your product on, on their products. Although now that I'm thinking about it, well, don't I realized they two things. I realized two things. Um, theoretically it's a no, but they do have subscription services now. So mm-hmm. they want you to pay for their, you know, iCloud stuff, their Apple TV, whatever it is. iTunes. Yeah. And uh, Apple music. Now they've rebranded banjo. Oh, um, man, that, Dang it. that is so five years ago. Um, but the other thing is they do make money. So if an app developer sells something in their app, if they sell, um, you know, something for nine nine cents to remove ads or something, Apple gets a cut of that. So they do have an incentive for you to be spending money on other people's apps because they get. I think it's like thirty percent cut. It's it's pretty massive actually. How much Apple gets um, from those sales? So I take that back. Apple does have an incentive to keep you on their devices, and that's because I, and they do both. Uh, the software and the hardware combined. Right. And and for a period of time there, I think you could have argued that while someone like Steve Jobs, of course, wanted you to be using his device because it proves the usefulness. Like they were not taking those massive cuts. Like the App Store didn't exist in the way it does now for a while. iTunes existed, but they weren't getting the same cuts. Right. There, there's a lot of stuff where it was a pretty it was a pretty sizable amount. Because they, I mean, that's a whole that's a whole other rabbit hole we could into, get into. Because yeah, he yeah. he pretty much revolutionized the music industry in a time where Napster yeah. and everything was stealing money, or you know, from artists essentially, which was something that Jobs wanted to change. But I mean, in some sense, we've strayed pretty far afield here because I think yeah. the, the point is, and and one of the things that we're we're getting at is underneath the surface of these devices that we live with on a regular basis, there are so many other factors at work. There are so many other considerations at play. Um, Right. And are we being mindful in the way that we use them and take advantage of them? Or are we getting, are we getting used by them? Well, and and that's, that's where I think the conversation we just had is helpful because I want us to keep in mind, you know, what are the incentives behind whatever company is putting something out? So if you're, if you are, take a very, a much older technology books and you, you're a publisher 
your incentive of everyone's incentive is make the most money, right? They, they all want to make money. Well, well, not everyone. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he, let's take that as a baseline though. Well, uh, yeah. See, here's what I want to push back. I, I think, I think there are some people who, yes, the, the money is the point, but, but I, so much of me wants to take the world at, at a, at a, at a more generous pace and say, well, some you're people, idealistic. I am. Ide- I'm real romantic. I want, I want to think that the reason that publishers exist is to, you know, because they want to put good books into the world and, and because they, they believe in that. Now, I think there are, there are bad actors who probably are only focused on making money, but, but maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's part of the point. Maybe it's, maybe it's looking at these things mm. and saying, you know, what are, what are we assuming about the people who designed them? Are we going to be charitable, mm. charitable um, to them? Cause if, if we want to be cynical about it, I mean, we can apply that to anything. I mean, board game designers are you know right. just going to keep us there. We really want to get cynical about it. You know, well, doctors just want you to be sick. I mean, that's just not, tr- you know, it's just not true. Right, right, know? right. I, I see what you're saying. And I'll tell you where I'm going with this. If the incentive is make money, right. Then, then theoretically, and for much of history, you had to put up the best product. Yeah. The other options were, you know, go steal it from some other village or some kingdom or maybe maybe pull, try to pull a fast one on someone, but that doesn't work out for very long for a lot of or people. Or sell it at the lowest price. And right. And just sell the most of them. You, so you have options. But theoretically, and back to the example of books, ways you can make the most money are by putting out the most popular books. Right. So if you if you're putting out if if your society is wanting high quality books, then you're going to put out high quality books. If society is okay with a bunch of you know cheap garbage, you're going to put out the cheap garbage. See, does that make sense? It, like there well, has to be a market for that. So see, for, and I'll tell you where what I'm thinking about here. First thing printed on the on the Gutenberg press. Can you tell me what the first thing printed was? Bible. Do you know what the second thing printed was? Mm, Ninety five. Yeah, not, not second thing printed on the Gutenberg press, but like within the first de- uh, decade or so, like the 90- second most popular thing being printed behind the Bible. 95 theses? No. French pornography. Oh. I am not joking. So like within the first decade, you had Bible was the number one printed thing. Still is. Yeah. Pornography is what drove it in France because they were printing yeah. off texts they shouldn't have been printing off. And that's what that's what took the printing press to a lot of Europe. Yeah, think about and that 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 happens in today's technology, the internet. You go to the earliest days of the internet. People are using are putting scriptural texts on there, or right. or even the telephone. You know, Alexander Graham Bell. Um, right. What was the exact phrase? I can't remember. Anyway, I think scriptural. it was a quote from Genesis. Yeah. Um, what is what is all that technology? How has it been propelled? Pornography. Yeah. Right. Like, you, you know the the video capabilities that we have today came from Pornhub hmm. because they were trying to figure out how to create a product that you could download um, videos really rapidly. Yeah. We wouldn't have that tech. Like we're talking face to face partially thanks to people trying to accelerate the porn industry. Like, and it's stuff like that where that's the dark side of it. So where are the incentives is what I'm saying. And I think, I think there's a whole world of incentives that we don't necessarily realize like it just takes that you're trying to make another dollar you're trying to move to the next thing well see again i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on this one because i think one of one of my um 
one of one of my oft quoted phrases uh comes from my one of my favorite shows the west wing where where the president tells his his staff he says our job is an appeal to the lowest common denominator it's our job to raise it and i i i think i you know i look at all of these devices and i look at all of these things and all of this this technology and like i think it, it you know it's it's so true that some of these things so many of these things come from dark places or can be used in dark ways but but so much of what i you know what i think we have to do is like how do we how do we creatively glorify god with these things you know right. and and how do we uh, how do we celebrate? Maybe this is what I'm trying to say. How do we celebrate the people who are doing that well, regardless of, um, you know, kind of where they're where they're coming from, and and how do we push forward to to collectively create beautiful things? You know, because it's a, it's a thing I think we have to do kind of together with other. We have to work well with other other people on this. So I think, right. um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is how do, how can we, how can we push, how can we push the people who design computers, how, or how can we inspire the people who design cell phones or computers or, you know, whatever the next technology is, because there's something, something's going to come after this, you know, you and I have already gone back and forth about right. AI and, and, you know, the world's there. How do we push, how do we inspire the people who are, who are creating the next generation of technology to, to create something beautiful and to create something that pushes, pushes us forward and, and doesn't sink us further into consumption. Change the incentives. Is it, is so, it, change, and, and, is it change well, the incentives or change the spirit? Cause I think we have to change the spirit. I think it's we have a to bit change. of both. It's definitely, it's definitely both. Um, because, yeah, you're exactly right. There will always be the people in the space who have the right spirit and are are doing amazing things with their tech. So, for example, one of my favorite apps ever is a notes app. It's the most beautifully designed notes app I've ever used. It's called Bear. Um, it's just a little iOS app. Very simple, very clean. Does its job very well. You pay money for it. They don't, no ads. You pay money for it. And I think that's where, you know, what, what was their incentive with creating that? It's a tiny developer team. I've looked into them. They, they don't really do much. They're not making much money on this thing, but they love creating this beautiful notes app. And I think that's something where like there are the, there are people in the space who are doing very amazing creative things and, and designing very good products, but the incentives have to change, right? If their incentive was go make the most money, they'd be making one of these notes apps that got people on the, on the platform and then well, somehow, I don't know how you make people addicted to your notes, but like that, <laughs> that's totally a thing. And and I think, or <clears throat> what I'm saying is the, uh, there are those in the space that, that have the right spirit already. And there are those who are, are wanting to use products that don't kill creativity, but you have to some you have to somewhat change the incentives. You need enough people to say, "Well, we're not going to run ads on our podcast." Right? Like that's a whole space. So then as soon as, you, as if you start running ads on a podcast, your incentive is get more listeners. 
and and make and and, and podcasts kind of hold this nice happy medium. I don't know. It's it's this it's this weird. See, but I don't I don't know if that's even true because I think I think really I, I think that's making an assumption about people's motives because I think at, at its best, what what we want to see is we want to see companies willing to give money to people who are creating beautiful things. Not that so, and the difference being, you don't want to have people who are trying to create mediocre things or or decent things or whatever in order to make money because money shouldn't be the point money is just money is gasoline you know it's just this it's this fuel that we put into these other projects and so i think more and more we should be inspiring people and 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 prompting people to focus on not not making the money but what do you what do you want the money for do you want it to support your family do you want it to you know, make these, uh, you know, to make great art, you know, what do you want it for? And I think at its best, you know, take, take a podcast. Um, if, if when I, when I listen to my favorite podcasts and I hear an ad, a normally I skip over it, but my assumption is that, Hey, this is, this is a good thing because this, this allows the, the podcaster to keep putting a great product out into the world, something that I'm, I'm willing to listen to I you know that I learned from that I gained from and that's different from living in a world where the the only reason to do a podcast is to make the money. Does that make right, sense? right. does that make sense? Well and and that's where I th- I think I mean we need to find the common ground in the sense of you're right about the spirit needing change. You know, I, I like what you're saying there. Money money should just be gasoline. Unfortunately, Banjo, I, I don't think that's how a lot of people approach life. I do think there are plenty of podcasters who, yeah, they run ads as a way to continue to support their podcast. I think there are other podcasters that are doing this to make the money. It's probably more prevalent on YouTube than on podcasting just because YouTube is an easier medium to make money on. So I, and no, I don't I, necessarily I don't have a problem with someone advertising a product. They, they, they legitimately like and getting some kickback for that. Right. That's, I don't have a mm-hmm. problem with that. It's more the, we're going to put out these little, the, I, it's more the, the attention grabbing stuff that, that does not need to exist in my opinion. Yeah, no, I and I I agree with you that this is probably the way that the world is, but I think I think me and my idealist romantic state f- feels the need to and, and especially watching you know the social dilemma and and you know listening to this in podcasts and doing some more research, just in, increasingly I feel um, that something something's got to change, something's got to give because. If we if we keep living in this version of reality where everyone is is just focused on how much how much money can we get out of it, and the way that we change the behaviors of people is to say, well, we'll we'll change where the money goes, doesn't solve any problems. If we if we only change the incentives, we haven't changed any hearts, we haven't changed any minds, we've we've just reinforced the behavior in a different direction. So I think we need to find ways to create a new. I mean, the word 
think about inspiration. I mean, we need to put a new mm -hmm. breath. We need to put a new life into people. Um, and I, I, in some ways, that's that's just in the redemptive work of of the gospel. I think, but also I, I I'm I'm hopeful that that can be just in in becoming more persuasive speakers and more creative thinkers and artists. And, um, you know, I hope the people who listen to this podcast and, and who participate in our discord and, and check out our website and all this stuff are motivated not to buy our, you know, our products, uh, or, or the books that we promote or, um, or even, you know, who we are, whatever our brand is, but I hope that they're inspired and empowered to go out and create something for themselves to, to glorify God in their own way. Right. Um, right. And I think that's the, that's the hope. Absolutely. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that's a, a great ideal, but yeah, it's, it's coming back to where are we today? Okay. How do we change things today? Um, and it's going to be a combination of things, right? Because you you could, go out and change a lot of heart and minds. But if you're not changing some basic aspects about, yeah, like, like I say, the incentives, these big companies are going to still be pumping this stuff out. Now you might change the incentives as you change the heart and hearts and minds of the people. Like, I think they go hand in hand. The like naturally both will happen if you're, if you're working on one, I think now hearts and minds is, is the more important of the two, but I think, I th okay, this conversation, um, we can continue, the next episode because we're going to be continuing a, another tech challenge here so i think this is a good a good place if you have any closing thoughts banjo well i was a good segue would be you know the only the only ways that we change hearts and minds is, is through our habits through our behaviors and uh, you know the the things that we do reflect the things that we believe so i think with that it's time to get on to the next challenge. All right. So for this next challenge, uh, just again, recap challenges will be for 10 days, Monday through Friday for two weeks. Um, and then always going to be simple daily tasks. This one might be a little bit tougher for some folks. I don't know. It, it I alternate between being amazing about it and being terrible about it. It's something I've tried to implement in my life. Um, but kind of on the hearts and minds note is scripture before tech. Um, this is not a legalistic thing. The idea is simply read your Bible before you use your technology that day. So yeah. it'd be easiest if you just woke up and read your Bible immediately. That's yeah. not to say you have to do your full in-depth Bible study for the day at that time. Cause we're all pretty bleary in the mornings. And I, I, what I do have done is, um, get up, read, um, the proverb for the day at that time. And I'm just, you know, kind of stumbling through it, not really thinking about it that much. Cause it's the, if it's the first thing I'm doing, I'm, my eyes still are barely awake. Um, and then later on in the day, um, I'll do my actual in-depth reading when I have, the time and the willpower to sit down with my coffee and be all nice and thoughtful about it. But anyway, now one thing we should specify are, 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 uh, forging on our members. Are they allowed to read their scripture on their phone or does this need oh, to be good a question? Part? I think it, I think I, I feel like it should be in the spirit of the, 
uh, the episode it should be on a on a hard copy bible i agree i i think this goes to we need we need to talk about this make a note to talk about this uh next time kind of medium is the message mindset and i think you know that's something that would be very interesting to talk about banjo and something yeah. for us to think about is why does holding a physical copy of scripture what's different about that than a a tech copy or whatever you call it digital digital copy yeah digital and, ebook yeah and, and you mentioned this before about kind of kind of the goal is not to be like you know some some legalistic uh you know self self whipping thing of well i'm you know i must pick up my bible before i pick up my phone um i think it's more just you know again thinking about the idea of like uh, addiction you know what what comes first in the day and maybe maybe one thing to reflect on in in the journaling is how how difficult is the challenge how difficult is it to um, pick up your bible first before your phone um and not necessarily to to beat yourself up about that but just to be cognizant of and thinking of uh you know how much have i let this device become part of the air that i breathe um and if that is true you know how much more so should scripture be the air that we breathe how much more so should this be this thing that we um are always turning to and how do we how do we have kind of as as saint augustine would say you know rightly ordered loves you know are we are we putting those uh affections in the right order or are we gravitating towards conforming with our culture and not being transformed by the living word i i really like that and thinking in the language of addiction a little bit as well you know the opposite of 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 a terrible addiction that's a good habit Right. You don't want to be in this weird in between where you have nothing happening. Yeah. So it's always like that. That's something that we think about as we form these challenges. We we don't want to do don't challenges. Um, by that, I mean things like don't use your tech because that's not that's not replacing it with anything. That's not that's not moving towards something. So the that's part of the idea behind this challenge as well is we're moving towards more scripture in our lives. And moving away from the habit of checking your phone first thing in the morning. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well put. Well put. Build something. Don't don't tear this other thing down. And we want to learn learn to have some agency with our with our phones. Not being like one of the things I keep thinking about, JJ, is that um, you know, you know, every other every other device uh or tool has to be turned on in order for us to use it. Um, you know, a book has to be open in order for us to to read it. But phones just turn on uh, without warning. They just ask ask to be opened up in a way that right. I think is so different from anything else. And I think, uh, you know, this is this is one of those things where we're we're taking every thought captive. Are we being mindful of when and why we're opening our phones, um, and how do we get how do we get better at that? So. I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. this challenge at play, and I'm sure that it will be more difficult for me than I would like to admit. <laughs> I, I think it will be good. Um, I, I'm excited to kind of somewhat continue this conversation and um, 
yeah, keep it keep it going a little bit. Uh, any any books or articles or anything that you will be reading or you would suggest reading that you have already read um, before we close? Uh, yeah, I just uh, I would again say Neil Postman's "Amusing Ourselves to Death" uh, is is fantastic. Um, if you uh, are familiar with him at all, David Foster Wallace uh, is is one of my favorite uh, essayists and authors. Um, he's got uh, a speech that I think is worth reading um, called This is Water. That's not specifically about uh, technology, but I think it's helpful in in providing a framework for thinking about these things that we kind of live and breathe um, all the time without noticing. And then he's got another essay, um, and I, I can't remember the title of it. I think it's called um, talking something about irony. It's talking about irony. Um, but anyway, he talks about television and the way that television is kind of changing our uh, discourse. Uh, and he was writing that in the late 90s. Um, but I think I think what he says can be kind of taken and amplified towards our internet age. It, similarly, Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death, um, I think I've already mentioned, but hugely, hugely helpful um, in, in having these conversations. Any other things that you're thinking about? Uh, well, I mentioned uh, last episode from the garden to the city by uh, John Dyer. Um, that one is, it will be very helpful in terms of kind of talking about medium being the message. Um, when it comes to uh, scripture and, and wanting to kind of think through, you know, why, why would we put scripture first? Uh, a book I've been working through, uh, I believe it's called uh, spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. I'll put in in show notes and on the website uh, who it's by. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, but that's been really helpful for me, just kind of reframing why we would read scripture every single day, right? It's not just a, it's not a legalistic thing. So why do we do it? Um, so that's, that's something I'll be bringing to the conversation next episode. Sounds good. Also, uh, we've, we've talked about this, uh, before, but Artemanius, uh, one of our favorite websites, has got some really good episodes out oh, this yes. week about uh, attention span uh, in your phones and and some other stuff with that as well. So definitely worth cool. a listen over there. Well, this has been the Forging Honor podcast. Music and production is by Elliot George. For more information about what we do or to learn how to get involved, visit our website at forginghonor.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a rating to bring others into the Forging Honor journey. On our website, you'll find information on how to do the challenges alongside us, as well as links to the many resources we mention in the show. And we do make a small amount from any purchases you make through our website links, so thank you in advance. Thanks for taking time with us today. We hope you'll take up the work alongside us and join us in the task of forging honor. We'll see you next time.